Yes and amen. Well, Luis came in this morning and said he thought maybe the, the rapture had happened and only God took women. <laughs> but I noticed that John L. and uh, Hannah are here, so we know that the rapture didn't happen because if there was one, they would certainly be gone, right? So that made me feel good that Becky actually is going to come home today. <laughs> amen. Well, I heard they would really have an amazing time up there. That lady they have, uh, I heard her preach several years ago. That's actually how I got Becky to get her the first time five years ago. She was really prophetic, but she's a really good preacher, you know. And uh, But, you know, I was, I'll tell you this. They'll probably share this. I'm just stealing a little bit of their fire. But this last five years ago, that lady and her daughter did the, did the retreat. And when she went home back, her husband was the pastor of the church, uh, and he, he passed away, right, pretty soon after she got home unexpectedly. He was 59 years old, had some kind of genetic heart condition or something that killed him. And, but she told Becky that was just the beginning of our troubles. And but Becky said, it's, you know, obviously she's been highly gifted already. But, you know, when a person goes through brokenness and difficulties in life, you, you, you can really come out very refined in the Lord. Amen? Now, y'all going to have to not just be dull on me. You know? I've had the opportunity to talk to a friend uh, this week who's went through a terrible, terrible time in his life. and But he's really come out the other end really amazing, you know, that God had done so much in him. And I think a lot of people in the world are going through stuff. The whole world's going through something. Uh, not something that God didn't cause, right? But I'll tell you, we can make a choice today to let it serve us, right? Or we can let it, make a choice today to let it take us down. And I think a lot of believers need to pay attention that the Holy Spirit's really trying to do something in our life that's amazing. Because I do believe the best is in front of us. Amen? You know, it really is the best is in France, period. That's a, that's a biblical truth. And so I, I want to encourage you, if you're a person who's experiencing brokenness or going through some fiery trial, you know, you're going to come out of that thing limping. But you can limp, limp in God for the rest of your life and, be, and God can use you amazingly if you'll let him. But you got to, you, you, it's up to you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, do not ref- fear the refiner's fire because in the fire you meet the fourth man that comes out of, right? So the Lord's in the fire, and I think he wants us to see him in it. So thank you, Johnny. Johnny is real spiritual, by the way. If you want to hang around somebody spiritual, hang around with her. She's always claiming she wants to come meet with me. I'm her mentor and all this crazy. I'm like, yeah, come on, come on. I'm going to let you mentor me. That's what's really happening. So she's amazing. I love her. By the way, if you don't know her, get to know her. She's really marvelous. And we're just keep cursing that old nasty disease that's trying to, trying to possess her that it can't have her. Amen? Amen. So, anyways, I just want to encourage, because this seems to be something that's come my way a lot this week about people going through stuff. And, of course, we've all gone through our stuff, right? All right. Thank you, Lord. I, okay. I'm so glad you all were excited and, you know. <laughs> Just because you're wife. Hey, I really admire these dads, okay, that have little kids. Uh, that Their wife is all partying in the Lord, and they're up here scrambling around trying to manage their kids. And, you know, see, my wife left, and I just did whatever I wanted to do. You know, I ate what I wanted to eat, you know. <laughs> I went to bed. I got I just did whatever. See, it was kind of fun for me, but I get these guys with these kids. It's a different story. So God bless these men. They are just... I just admire their their heart, and they're here today, and their kids are running wild in the Lord and having a great time, and and we should rejoice in that. So we love the kids in this church. Amen. If When you get to heaven, one of the shocking things is going to be God's throne room. There's going to be kids everywhere playing basketball, you know, running around with their little motorcycles, and that's, and the Father is just happy with that. He loves that, so we should love that. That's just my theology. 
Amen. Well, in uh, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 4, there's this amazing story. I'm, I'm shifting into another gear now. I've got to. Or y'all can tell me just sit down and hush, right? <laughs> Uh, it's the story of Jesus uh, calming this uh, hurricane force storm. Amen. Now, many of you know the story. And he spoke to the storm, just spoke a word to it, and it stopped. And the, and the disciples were absolutely stunned by what he did. They were stunned that he, and, and, this, and it brought forth this, one of the most amazing questions there really is in the entire Bible. A question that everybody is going to have to answer uh, it's in, in verse 41, it says, who is this man? That's the question. Who is this man that even the wind and the waves obey him? Here's a, an amazing quote. Jesus was the most understood and mysterious person in the Bible. Even his disciples did not know who they were following. They knew that he was Jesus, but they did not really know him. You hear that? They knew it was Jesus, but they didn't really know him. And that's the question that I feel like has is reverberated down through the ages. And it's the question, it's the, always going to be the question for us. Even though we think we know the Lord, that's a, just a, a, a thought because there's so much more to the Lord than we really know. And God is out to reveal himself in, in this hour that we're in in, in new and in different ways, I do believe. And I think it's, it behooves us to really pay attention to how the Lord will reveal us now. Look over, uh, let's put Revelation 1, 12 through 16. Um, it says, Then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me. I'm, enter, I'm going right into the middle of this encounter that John had uh, on the Isle of Patmos when he was you know, put out there to die. And, and the Lord had an encounter with the Lord. So he heard this voice behind him and he, Turned around, and having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands, and in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the feet, and girded about the chest with a golden band. His head, his head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like brass, fine brass, as if refined in a furnace, and his voice has the sound of many waters. He had in his right hand seven stars out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword and his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength so in the middle of these these lampstands john uh the the man who put his head on jesus's breast at the last supper and heard the heartbeat of god saw this person that he didn't recognize this person he couldn't identify and so he began to describe this person to us and i think i mentioned it a few weeks ago that in uh, Revelation 1, there's actually 24 different descriptions of Jesus Christ in one, that one chapter. And there's 30, I think 30, a total of 30 unique descriptions of Jesus Christ in the first three chapters of the book of Revelation. So there's this end time view of himself that God wants to begin to reveal to the body of Christ that's different than the Jesus we've known. Uh, and so I think it's really important. And you find out, I, I think there's actually 90, total 90 descriptions of Jesus in the book of Revelation. 90 different descriptions. And, and in, throughout the book, Jesus comes in, a, in different ways. He reveals himself in different ways, in different times. Whatever the need of the hour is, that's how he comes. The need of the hour, the, what, his, what he defines as the need of the hour, that he wants us to see him and know him in that moment. In other words, here's just a few of the favorite ones of mine. Uh, in, verse, in chapter 5, he's, he's the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. And he was also a lion. He appeared as a lion in, in Revelation 5. He's a rider on a great white horse in Revelation 19. He was also clothed with a robe dipped in blood in Revelation 19. He's a bridegroom coming for his bride in Revelation 21. He's the bright morning star in Revelation 22. Aren't those amazing uh, views of Jesus Christ? And every one of them is, is a way that he wants us to begin to realize that's who he really is and begin to know him. And, and like the disciples, they were following Jesus. They knew Jesus, but they didn't really know him. And I would just suggest to us that we don't really know Jesus Christ the way we think we know Jesus Christ. 
I really do. And I think we need to be challenged on that because, because we, we need it's the end times that we live in, the days that we live in, or we're going to require something greater than what we've known him in the past. Now, that's just, that's period. That's, there's no question. And that's why the book of Revelation reveals him so much because he is what gets the people and gets us to the end of the book. He's the one who gets us to the fulfillment of all the things that the whole Bible is bringing us to. It's all conclusive in this book of Revelation, but he's the key to all of it. Amen? Now, you may ask, uh, I kind of answered it, but you may ask, uh, I'm glad you asked what difference will it make in our life to look at these different perspectives, these different views of Jesus Christ. How's that going to help me personally? Would anybody be curious in that? I'm, I'm real curious, Sandy. I really want to know, how's this going to help me, Lord? Oh, Jesus is dipped in a, in a robe of blood. How's that going to help me tomorrow morning? Well, I think it's, it's, it's really key. Here's, one of the, here's the main thing about Christianity. It's this, Christianity is the only faith there is that centers on a relationship with a person. All other faiths, Buddhism, Hinduism, Muslims, you name it, they're all, everything is centered around doctrine, philosophy, and teaching. You hear what I'm saying to you? We're the only ones that have a relationship with the person. Are y'all hearing that? In other words, if you take Jesus out of Christianity, all you have is a bunch of teachings and philosophies, good teachings, good philosophies, but at the end of the day, empty. End of the day, religion. And that's why I think it's the, the most vital thing for us as believers. I love the teaching. I love the preaching. I love all of that. That's, that, that burns in me. But, but, but to be honest with you, there's something else greater than all that, and that's the person of Christ. That's why, even at, at the very beginning of the book of Revelation, the last book in the Bible, the last thing that God wanted written down is he wanted to begin revealing this person. Are y'all with me? Because y'all are looking, sitting there. Is it because your wife's not here? <laughs> You're sad. Years ago, I had this, uh, heard this, okay, and I don't know, and it really profoundly touched me. It's a real simple thing. This is what someone said. It says, we can never love the Bible too much, but we can love Jesus too little. And I mean, that spoke to my heart because I, I love the Bible. You know, I love the Word. I want the Word to be the thing in my life. I, I'm, I'm interested in the Word. I want to know about the Word. I have spent lots of my life pouring into the Word because I wanted to, to know what it said and I wanted to know what it promised me and I wanted to know how to get out of it what it was for me in my life. But I also realized this. If, if that's all I have, then I'm, I'll become a Pharisee. I'll become religious. Are y'all feeling it? Because it's, it's relationship. I don't, I don't know if I'm connecting with y'all. You know, let me read this verse here. This is a very powerful verse. It has become a very powerful verse. It's 1 John 3, 2. This, this is powerful, y'all. I'm telling you, this is very powerful if you can get this. It says, Beloved, now... Now, we are children of God. That's, that's foundational. If you don't really have that, if you don't really have that revelation of being a child, if you don't have a revelation of the Father as your Father and that you're a child, then you've you, you know, you got to get there. You gotta, if all you have is a salvation revelation, that's awesome. But there's so much more. So that's, that's really basic there, but it's, it's foundational. It's everything. But, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. In other words, there's more. That's what he's saying. There's more to this than we know. There's more to be revealed about what we're to become. We're to become something more than we really realize. In fact, I'll tell you this. It is outrageous. It is outrageous what God has in store for us. It's outrageous what he wants us to become. If we really believed this. If we really talked about some of the things that God wants us to come, we could be accused of heresy because it's that outrageous. It's stretch, it will stretch you beyond measure. 
It will stretch you beyond measure. But then it goes on. It says this, but we know that when he, listen, when he is revealed, we shall be like him. That's outrageous. We shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. We shall see him as he is. And see what John was talking about right there. He was, he was prepping people that there's more to this person. There's more. And even at that point when he wrote this, I don't know exactly all the timelines, but he was prepping people. There's more to this person. There's more to this person than the church has ever seen. And, he, and God wants to begin to show us, you can have more. You can become something greater than you are. You, can, you don't have to settle for what you have. You don't have to settle for American Christianity. And please do not, let's do not settle for American Christianity. Because it is a bad version at be, on its best day. We have a, our Christianity has been diluted down. Our walk with God has been diluted down. We've listened to things that have not been true. God has more. And we, of all people, should be reaching for the more of God that he has for us. And so that's why this is important. I hope you get that. Yeah, you know. But I believe it's going to come by revelation. It's all something God wants to reveal. But he's looking for people who have a heart for to walk in revelation. Well, I wanted to tell you just a, I wanted to read through these right quick. Uh, these descriptions he had here, these particular ones. First, he said he was one like the son of man. Here's, this is amazing, son of man. I don't know about you, but you know, you think about Jesus, the son of God, Jesus, the son of man. I always thought about the son of man phrase as the humble part of Jesus, the man part of Jesus. That, that's just what I, I always looked at. But to tell you the truth, it's not that at all. It is opposite of that. When, when, and Jesus used that term about himself more than any other term. More than any other term. He, he used that term at least 80 times in the Gospels. At least 80 times. Where he, he, he referred to himself as the Son of Man. And he would use it in particular. Listen to this. He would use it in particular when he was challenged by the religious system about something he was doing or saying. There was a time when his disciples were going through a grain field on, on, a, on the Sabbath and they was just taking grain and rubbing it in their hands from the, from the religious people. That's, that was not legal to do. That was work on the Sabbath. Okay, and you know what Jesus said? I'm the, the son of man is the Lord of Sabbath. The son of man. There was a time when there was a man that had a, he was paralyzed, and his friends lowered him down through the roof because people were thonging on Jesus. They lowered him down through the roof and, and so he could be healed. And what did Jesus say? Your sins are forgiven. And it offended the fire of people there. How could this man forgive sins? And you know what he says? The son of, I did this to tell you the son of man has authority to forgive sins. The son of man. So I believe it has to do with the authority. It's a heavenly person. And God wants to reveal himself to us like that. He wants to reveal his authority as a son of man. As a man who's walked on this earth. But he's carrying this authority. And when we begin to see him like that. That's when we can begin to really tap into his authority. Because we'll become more and more like he said. That's one of the ways the Lord wants us to God wants his authority released in the earth, y'all. He really does. And that's one of the ways we're going to get it. Are y'all with me? The next one, it says he's clothed with a garment down to the feet and girded about with a chest with a, with a golden band. And that is the way the high priest or judge in Israel was, was dressed. And that's the theme that runs all the way through Revelation. There's a twofold theme that runs through Revelation. Jesus is the high priest for his people that he's standing in in the gap for his people he's there for his people but also there's this judge guy that shows up in the book of revelation suddenly god's showing up as a as a high priest compassionate loving interceding for his people but he also shows up as a judge to judge the evil empire to judge the evil wickedness of the antichrist of the devil are you hearing what I'm telling you? You see, a lot of this stuff in Revelation is God's view on evil, how he is going to go after evil. He is going to put a stop to the evil. 
Now, we should be rejoicing all that because we're feeling some evil coming at us right now like never before. And Jesus is going to be the answer for that evil. And he is going to judge that evil. And a lot, a lot of wrong things have happened in the earth, a lot of injustices. But there's going to come a time when he's going to judge that. He's not out to judge his people. He's out to judge the evil. He's out to intercede for his people. That's how he wants us to know him as his, our intercessor. Amen? Amen. Come on, y'all. Y'all, gotta be, y'all should be shouting. You know? The next one is, it says, his head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow. And if you know your Bible, you know that's how the Ancient of Days appeared in Daniel 7. Okay? And it speaks of the dignity. It speaks of his, his anxiousness, his wisdom. That he is the Ancient of Days. He is all wise. He has existed eternally. He wants us to know that. that he's, Jesus is God. Okay, he is the top one. We don't understand all that, but that's how he wants us to know. And he's going to reveal himself like that. Man, read the book of Daniel if you want to get some stuff on the end times. Of course, you, you have to figure it out, but I don't know. Don't try to figure it out. Let the Holy Spirit reveal it to you. Okay, the next one, uh, and I wanted to spend just a minute on this next one. Are y'all okay this morning? Becky's not here, so she can't tell me I can't say that. It says his eyes were like a flame of fire. His eyes were like a flame of fire. And that reveals his passion, his zeal, and his ability. Listen to this. His ability to look down into our souls. His ability to look down into our souls. Well, I want to talk to you about that just for a second because I have some very personal experience on that. Okay, of having someone eyes looked down into my soul it was terrifying it was terrifying let me read this verse right quick with you Hebrews 4.13 it says there's no creature hidden from his sight but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account now that's that sounds well, that sounds, oh, yeah, that's God, until it happens to you, until it happens to you. When I was in China one time doing, you know, ministry over there, there was this woman, and this woman, and I probably told this before, I'm sure I had, just because this impacts me to this moment of my life. There was this woman there, uh, and she, she said after, you know, after the preaching and stuff, when you went over there, basically you get trapped over there. You get trapped in a building because you can't be leaving and be seen. Take you there early in the morning, come get you at night. And you're stuck there all day eating bad food. <laughs> you know? You're like, oh, Lord, please let me out of here. I'm going to die. <laughs> anyways, you had to be there, y'all. I mean, it sounds, you know, fun. But anyways, um, so this woman was an old woman. I thought, actually, she was in her 50s. But because of the life she lived, she looked like she was 80 years old. Because I asked her, like, how old are you? Well, she said, will you give me a word? I said, I'll tell you what I'll do. I knew she was real prophetic. You could look at her and say, see, she had this prophetic anointing on her. I said, I'll tell you what I'll do. I will give you a word, but first you had to give me a word. Because I said, you need to be given words. And so, so she said, okay, I'll do that. So we prayed, and she looked at me. And when she did, I felt her gaze go right down into my soul. I felt it. And I felt, you know that word naked there? You know how you, I've never felt nakedness like, like I felt in that moment. I felt everything. I, was, I felt exposed on every level, on every part of me, was 100% exposed to that moment. And y'all, you talking about the fear of the Lord? It scared the fire out of me. I mean, it scared me really bad. I mean, so bad. And you know what she said to me? This was really funny, what she said to me. She looked at me and said, after she probed, went and looked at me, she said, why the sorrow? That's all she said, why the sorrow? And it, that, yeah, it was at that time when I, when I was talking to y'all earlier about going through the refiner's fire, going through brokenness that I had been through a long, long season where I felt, I felt pretty devastated, really, inside of me. 
I felt very broken. And as much as I was trying not to feel that way and trying to be a deep down inside of me, hidden away from even myself at times, was this great sorrow inside of me. And, and the Lord, and I realized at that moment, you can't hide nothing from God. There is nothing you can hide from God. And I just believe there's going to come a time when that's going to happen. I believe there's going to come a time when we're going to see a prophetic generation of people that are going to rise up. They're going to have that. Because you know what? Even though it exposes us, even it calls us to accountability, it's the most healing thing that you could ever go through. God wants to look into people's eyes not to make them feel naked, not to parade them out in front of everybody naked and expose and expose all their terrible stuff, all their terrible faults. All their he wants to look into your eyes, look down in your soul, and free you from the things that are binding you and holding you back. That's why he has these eyes of fire. That's why he's looking. And lots of times we don't even know. We don't even know. He's going to come and he's going to do that. And I believe he's going to raise up people who have the ability to do that. I heard a story about Paul Cain. Some of y'all have heard about Paul Cain. He's with the Lord now, but he was a prophet years ago. And, and there was a pastor in one of his meetings with his wife. And the pastor had been unfaithful to his wife. And nobody knew it, and the Lord showed it to him, and he, in his mind, like, he was thinking the Lord is showing it to him so I can hold him over hell and roast his hide for what he did to his wife. That's what he was saying to the Lord. So here's this great prophet up there. I'm going to hold him with a pole over hell, you know, and roast his hide. Don't y'all think that's kind of funny? <laughs> Well, the Lord had another thought, like, no, you're not going to hold him over hell. You're going to speak my love and forgiveness to him. You will not expose that man. You're going to speak healing and deliverance to him, and he's going to get free, and you're going to speak a restoration over his marriage. Now, that's the kind of things that God wants to do for people. He's not interested in going around making people be messed up. He don't want to hold nobody over hell with a bowl or anything. I just thought that was funny. <laughs> Nothing can be hidden from the Lord, y'all. You know, I think it'd be a good time for us to get to know the eyes of the Lord. Because, you know, even if it's painful to you, even if it's hurtful to you, it's to allow the Lord to look inside of you and probe the inside of you to free you and heal you. Amen? Amen. And it goes on in the next thing. It says, his feet were like fine brass as if refined in a furnace. And I believe that speaks of Jesus' walk on the earth where the, 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 the thing that, went, went, that he went through as a man on this earth, the sorrow he went through, the betrayal he went through, the, the hurt he went through, the devastation he went through as a human being on the cross and, being, and all he went through, that's what that speaks of to me is that his walk here was very refined. And I'll tell you something, we're all going to be refined. If you're going to walk with Jesus, if you're going to really follow Jesus, there's going to be a refinement that's going to come in your life. And it's, and it's probably going to, and it says fire, okay? You know, most of the time, refinement has something to do with, with difficulties and, and stress and pressure on your life. But it can, it can, you can know there's this person who's walked through these things that's walking with you in it. Amen? I mean, that's just so powerful to me, y'all. It really is. Oh, and I love this next one. Well, okay, I wanted to say this. Empathy. Everybody say empathy. empathy. That makes him a very empathetic God, right? Empathetic God, a God who knows what you feel, a God who knows your pain, a God who's walked in those places. And he could truly say to you, I've walked there. It's like this, y'all. Some of the most powerful things that's ever happened to us uh, in terms of being devastated by stuff, is people, not people who seem to have knowledge and, and have this, have that, but it was people who went through the same brokenness that reached out to us and, 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 and showed us empathy because they knew where we were at. They felt where we were at because they had walked in those dark places and those hurtful places themselves. Those, I can, we just, those things stand out. You could have you know, 20 people reaching out and showing love to you, which is all that's awesome. But the ones I really remember are the ones who were just so, had went, were so broken, so hurt themselves, and somehow they got through it. And when they reached out to you, it, there was power in it. There was something that really struck you. And that's really what I think a lot of our troubles, 
that we've gone through and that we're going through, I think a lot of those troubles will turn us into very empathetic people, very compassionate people, to be able to really release this compassion. How many people have prayed for the compassion of the Lord? Has anybody ever prayed for that? I'll tell you, it's a dangerous prayer. It's a very dangerous, and here's why it's dangerous. You will pay a great price for that. You will go through something to have his compassion flowing through you because he's not going to, because compassion's power. It's him moving. It's him touching. Many times Jesus healed people. It says he was moved with compassion. He was moved with compassion. And so when we've asked the Lord for that compassion, and I'm telling you from experience, like I've got myself like, Lord, I shouldn't have. It's like asking God for patience, right? Don't do that. That's a mistake, <laughs> you know? You just don't need to ask him for certain things. Patience, you're, it's going to be formed in you because just the, the way life goes, the Holy Spirit's going to have to work it in you. But if you ask God, he might, okay, I'm going to double up on you. <laughs> you thought this was going to take a year. Well, it may take five years because <laughs> you wanted patience. <laughs> I'm serious. <laughs> patience is a fruit of the Spirit. Okay, it's something the Holy Spirit works in you. It's not something you develop yourself. But you get patience like, how does he work it in you? He works it in you by delaying answers. That's how patience is formed by the Spirit in us. It's not by getting answers. It's by de delay. It's the fire of delay. And in that fire, the, the Spirit of God forms this thing called patience. And in the Bible actually says, let patience have its... Have its good works. Let patience bring us into fulfillment because it brings other things. But that's another story. All right, the next thing he said, is everybody good so far? I've said that twice. Becky will be mad now. Don't tell her I said it. Yeah, Becky had a great message last Sunday, didn't she? Yeah. You know, I really did trick her into doing that. I knew she wasn't supposed to preach. And so we were over there at the supper table and I just decided, like, you know what? I, I really don't want to preach Sunday, man. You know, I'm just trying to see if Becky, I can trick Becky into doing it. And says, so you're going to preach Sunday? Like, no, I'm not going to preach. What do you think I'm going to preach for? I don't got time for that. I got, she starts to listen. And I just slam my hands to the table. And, and she's, I'm not doing it. That's what she said. I just forget it. Then the next day, or it was a couple days later, she said, you, did you really think I was... Supposed to preach Sunday? That's what she said. Did you really think that? And I like didn't answer her because I'd had to tell her the truth. <laughs> you know? I just didn't answer her. But I could tell, I could tell the Lord was messing with her. Because she was walking around talking about worship to me in the middle of that. I could just tell. I, thought, I said, I think you're supposed to do it, Becky. Honestly, I think the Lord wants you to do it. And I got her to commit to it. And she, but then she tried to do her rider thing, right? I will, if not, you've already said it, I'm out of here. I can't, I can't. I don't, the conversation is over. Well, that's how she wound up. You could say that was being led by the Spirit, by the Spirit of Byron, right? But it turned out awesome. Anyway, this is beautiful right here. It says he had in his right hand seven stars. Think about stars for a minute. Stars are far away, right? Stars speak of the glory of God, right? Also, stars, listen to this, stars speak of seasons and times. Think about it. Seasons and times. Jesus held the seasons and times in his hand. He controls the seasons and times. And then if you read on, you'll find out these stars represent messengers. Some people call them angels. Some people call them apostles. But here's the truth. This is one of the things that the Lord wants us to know. We need to know this right now, right now today. He's going to get his message, times we live in, to us. He holds that message in his hands. We don't have to try to figure it out. We don't have to worry about what, what's going to happen in our country. Really, we really should not worry about it. We should say he holds the future in his hands. He holds it. We just need to ask him, let us see it. Let us see it, Lord. We want to see the future of our country so we can pray and agree with you instead of around fretting and doing all this crazy stuff people do. We're all into stuff that God's not into, y'all. I don't want to get political here, but God is just not into some of the stuff we're into. Okay? Come on. Listen to this. There's a commercial on television I saw last night. It's a golf company. Okay? And this is what he's talking about. He said, you know, uh, 
We're divided. We're divided. There's too much talk about what's on the left and what's on the right. If you play golf, your ball can go to the left or your ball can go to the right. Those are the two misses you can have in golf. You can make it go too far. He said, but our clubs make the ball go straight. <laughs> no, I think that's a cool commercial. <laughs> Buy our clubs. You don't have to fall over into the world of rightness or the world of leftness. You can fall in the world of straightness. And I think that's an amazing commercial. And I think that's what we need to do. I think we need to follow him and not follow politics and not follow the right, not follow the left. We need to follow this person. That's a good commercial. I thought, man, that commercial's prophetic. The church needs to get a hold of that message. We're not left. We're not right. We're following the person of Christ. And wherever he goes, we go. And if he decides to take a right turn, we'll go there. If he decides to take a left turn, we'll go there. Because if he's going there, we're going there. Now, okay, I'll let that go. Yes. Mm -hmm. Anyways, the stars really do speak. And his right hand speaks of his power. His power over all creation. His power over the message. His power over the times that we live in. And that's important in this book of Revelation. That he wants us to know right up front, I've got this stuff in my hands. I have the power over this. I have the power over the stars. Who can hold a star in his right hand? Only God could. And he wants us to know. See, this is, this is, that's why I'm saying all this is so important for us to begin to see him like that. Because it'll take this stress off of us. It'll take this fear off of us about what's going to happen tomorrow. And we're just in a new time, y'all. We're in a new time. We're in a new time in our nation. We're in a new time politically. All of this. And we need to begin to see this person and what he has to say and get our leadership from him. Well, that's what I believe. I got to hurry up now. I thought this was going to go faster than this. I was going to let everybody out early. Mm. It says, uh, well, it says one more. He has right horn. And then he described his voice. And he, there's actually three in, in the, in right there in chapter 1, three different descriptions of God's voice. His voice is like a trumpet. His voice is like a sound of many waters. And out of his mouth came a two-edged sword. In other words, a trumpet, I think I mentioned this, in the Old Testament, a trumpet was to call the people for a specific purpose. Sometimes it was war. Sometimes it was just to get in there and celebrate in his presence. Sometimes God had a special message for people. But God has got something to say. He's, in the end times, he's going to call his people to hear something from him. And the many waters, have you ever been at the base of a waterfall? And how that pounds in your heart and how nothing, it's just an overcoming thing. I had a dream when I was a young person, younger person, I'm not old no more. But I had this dream and I was standing before this waterfall. And it was just, it had overwhelmed, it felt overwhelming to me. It was overwhelming every part of me. And this is what the Holy Spirit says. I'm going to teach you how to hear my voice. I'm going to teach you how to hear my voice. And I'll tell you, there's a, a, a bad waterfall in the world. There's a, there's a toxic waterfall that's being poured out. Some of you need to close that stuff off and begin to t dial into his waterfall. And then the other thing is a sharp two-edged sword. Of course, we know from Ephesians 6, that's the word of God. That's the spoken word of God. That's the rhema word of God. And actually, it's a two-tongue, two-edged tongue. Okay, that's what that literally means. It's your, your tongue and his tongue coming into agreement. Y'all hear that? That's really what God wants. He wants our mouth to begin to say what his mouth's saying. And when we begin to do that, that's going to be a lot of power and authority. Yes and amen to that. And then it says his countenance, sun shining in its strength, which, of course, that's going to be the glory of the Lord. You can't even look at the sun, right? It's so powerful. You know, you can only look for a moment. It'll, you know, burn your eyes up. But the sun touches everything, right? And if you take the sun away, there's no earth. And that's really what, you know, and I said right at the beginning, if you take Jesus out of this deal, there's no, there's no Christianity. And, but he, he is, the sun influences everything. And we, there's no life apart from the natural sun, so forth the sun. But let me finish this up, okay? Or as, just raise your hand if you're having a hard time with this. If you're, you know, I was going to ignore you if you were. 
It says in verse 17, And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead, but he laid his right hand on me, saying to me, Do not be afraid. I'm the first and the last. I'm he who lives and was dead. And behold, I'm alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and of death. Write these things which you have seen, and the things which are, and the things which will take place after this. Well, we could talk a lot about falling down and, you know, uh, being uh, slain in the Spirit. But this is not being slain in the Spirit the way we know it. I think being slain in the Spirit is an ob- obviously an amazing thing. Uh, if you've never had that experience, I pray that God would do that to you. Uh, it's just being so overcome by the Holy Spirit that you become weak in your natural body, you know, and you wind up on the floor or sitting down somewhere because, because of the power of God resting on you. I remember one time a long, this is a long time ago, there was this young man and we prayed for him and he got on the floor and he literally got stuck on the floor. I don't care if you think that's God or not, but it was God for him. You know, he got stuck on the floor. He couldn't get up and it, he got scared at first. It scared him because he literally could not pull himself off the floor. It was like there was this weight sitting on him. Okay, and guess what? Once he was able to get up, he was repenting of all kinds of stuff you don't even want to talk about. I mean, at that moment, he had this encounter with God that was amazing, and it changed his heart. It changed his life because he came into a real experience with the Lord. It's like looking at that socket over there. You think that socket looks benign, it looks okay, until you stick your finger in there, and there's going to be a jolt, I promise you, and you'll find out there's power in there. And God really wants to plug people into his power. And I pray the day will come back when God just swoons over people and everybody hits the floor. And I think there's going to come a time when God's glory is so powerful that it's not necessarily we're going to fall. We're going to jump on our faces. We're going to fall before him in our own accord, our own will, because his power is so great. I love all that stuff, y'all. The church needs that stuff. We don't need religion. We don't need teaching. We need an encounter with the Lord. We really do. That's what we need. But God is all wise, and he knows when to give encounters and when not to give encounters. So we had to trust him no matter what. We trust him when there's encounters. We trust him when it's quiet. We trust him when there's manifestations. We trust him when there's no manifestations. You know, as long as your heart's towards him, you're going to be good no matter what. Amen? Amen. Well, anyways, I didn't really want to talk about that. He He told John three. He did three things, okay? I think this is really amazing. First of all, it says he touched him. He laid his right hand on him. And see, I think that's going to be key for us is we all need a touch from the Lord. Anybody not need a touch from the Lord in this room this morning? If you don't think you need a touch from the Lord, we need a touch from the Lord. We need the Lord to touch us. We need his hands on us. And John had touched the Lord many times. Like I say, he had his head on his chest. He heard God's heartbeat. Man, he had a touch, you know, but here he needed a fresh touch. We need a fresh touch from the Lord, and I believe the Lord's going to give that. And we know in the Gospels that Jesus was a touchy guy. Right? He was always touching people. Right? He was always putting his hands on people and healing people and loving on people, taking children up into his arms. He touched. He was touchy. God wants to touch us. He really does. Let God touch you. Say, Lord, I want you to touch me. I invite God to touch. Lord, I need a fresh touch. I get up every morning. I need something today, Lord, because yesterday's gone. Amen? The next thing it said, he reassured him. This is what he said. Don't be afraid. That's what he said. Do not be afraid. I'm your friend. I'm not your enemy. Just don't be afraid. God wants us to know that right now. You don't need to be afraid. I'm, I'm your friend. I'm with you. I'm the first and the last. This, listen, he's saying this. This is my story. This is not the, the, the revelation of the Antichrist. This is the revelation of Jesus. This is my story. I'm going to finish my story. I started my story. I'm going to end my story. That's what he was saying. I'm, that's what he wanted John to know. John, the Antichrist is not taking over. The evil of the world, they're not going to take over. I'm not finished yet. I'm still here. I'm writing this story. That makes me feel good. Yeah. He says, I'm the living one. I'm always available for you. I'm always there for you. You can always be assured that I'm here. 
If you need me, I'm right here beside you. I'm walking with you. I care about you. I'm available. I'm available. Oh, this is a great one. I hold the keys of Hades and death. Okay, death we all know, right? Death's the enemy of our physical body, right? And Hades would be the enemy of our spiritual bodies, right? Our spiritual self. And this is what he's saying. I have control of both those places. I, I have control of what can hurt you physically. I have control of what can hurt you spiritually. I have control. The devil doesn't have control. And people, need, we need to know that. He's in control. He has the key. I can shut this stuff down in a heartbeat. I can close all that off. None of that can touch you. Do y'all believe that? That's the truth. That's what he said. I got the keys. And he may be wanting to share the keys with us. He may be wanting us to get some authority over people's destiny, their eternal destiny. He may be wanting us to get some authority over people's physical. Maybe there's people that died that shouldn't have. You know, maybe he wants us to begin to tap into the keys of the kingdom and use them to keep people from dying prematurely. Because I do think people died before God really wanted them to. Amen? Okay, because... And then he commissioned him and said, write. So there was a commissioning, and he told him what to write. He told him, like, three things. Number one, write what you've seen. Okay, that's chapter one. That's what you see. Write that down. I want you to write it down. Number two, he says, write what is now. That's chapters two and three. That's the letters to the church. And then write what will be, what will take place later. That's the rest of the book. Do y'all see that? That's how this book, if you want to know an outline of the book of Revelation, what is, what you know, what, it, what you see now, what's, what, what you're fixing to see, and what's going to happen in the future. And, but the key thing, I think, for us, the takeaway for us, is God wants to touch us. He wants to comfort and reassure us, and he wants to give us a commission. Do you see that? That's what he did with it. He wants to commission people. He wants us to feel comfortable. He wants us to feel safe in him. And he wants to commission us to do something. Not necessarily the right, but you could have that. You, and there's people in this room that can write well that need to write some things. But there's a lot of things that people need to be doing that God really wants to commission people to do. Is anybody interested in this? Wow, a couple of people are. Yeah. Yeah. And I just believe these are the kind of things. See, but all this, okay, what I just said, I got to stop, man. Those people in, in children's ministry will get mad at me. <laughs> I promise them. This is what I promise them. I promise you I will stop unless Jesus is walking up and down the aisles. <laughs> if he's walking up and down the aisles, it's tough luck for y'all. <laughs> in fact, it would be best for you to go get the kids and bring them in here where Jesus if he's walking up and down the aisles. <laughs> Amen. Because, <laughs> yeah, well, more than likely he's walking around with them, you know. <laughs> uh, have y'all ever been back? Have I said this before? Have y'all been back there when they let the kids go back there? Walk back there, man, and walk with those kids sometimes. Just go do it. It is amazing, man. Like, there's so much life and so much joy. It's like, oh, y'all don't leave. That's well. We need you in here. We need this life and joy and excitement that y'all have. All righty. All of it begins with the revelation of the person of Christ, Okay. We need a new revelation of Jesus. We need fresh revelation of this person. And that's where we can come in to this, this um, touch from the Lord, this comfort and reassurance from the Lord, and a commissioning from the Lord. I think all of those are all tied together. And I think that's really what God wants to do in the earth for the people of God because God is going to raise up a mighty church in this hour regardless of what happens in our country. Regardless of what happened, God's going to raise up a mighty church. He's going to raise up a mighty army. He's going to raise up a bride of Christ. And there really is a revelation of a bride of Christ coming on the earth. So let's just stand up. Man, y'all are a tough group, man. Hey. (laughs) Y'all are tough. Well, that's good. We like tough people, right? Mm -hmm. Amen. Let me just pray for you right quick. And then, Marlon, you can come on up here, too. Don't y'all love Marlon? Yeah, it's great. Yeah, that was some great words Louise had. Said he didn't have one for me. So, I mm. don't know what I'm going to do with that boy. I told Becky, like, hey, get that lady to give me a word. You know what Becky did? She sent me a word that she gave her. <laughs> Isn't that great? <laughs> oh, oh, there is a word. Here it is.
this one, my son got a word up there. He was there doing sound. He got a really powerful word. Yeah, anybody gives my, my children words, they can be prompt. They, you can, I can promise you, give my, uh, my child a word, I'm going to love you, period, <laughs> no matter what you've done. If you've tried to help one of my kids, I'm with you, <laughs> right? That's parental. Father, thank you today. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you that, Lord, that we're, we're involved with a, a faith that at the middle of it is a relationship. And that everything works on relationship in the kingdom of God, in our Christianity, everything. It doesn't work on what we know or what we don't know. It works on a person. And, Lord, I just pray today for an anointing of, the, of Christ, the anointing of his personhood. And Lord, there's so many ways that you've revealed yourself in the, in the scripture. And we're asking you, Father, today to reveal yourself to us. And we really are. We are asking for an encounter from heaven that we could see you like we've never seen you before. Lord, I just ask you what Jesus said when he was admonishing the people of his day of having eyes to see but couldn't see and having ears to hear but couldn't hear hear, and having a heart that couldn't understand. And he said, if you had eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart to understand and would turn, I would heal you and I would give you that. And Lord, I just pray today, I just pray for all of us in this room that we would really get that fire that we were talking about early in us, Lord. Lord, I pray for a spirit of repentance. I, I just feel like this, y'all. This is really, and, and I want you to take this the right way. Some of us are really not walking close to the Lord right now. Some of us have kind of, it's not that you're out living in sin. It's not that you're out being a bad person. It's not, not like you're being a bad spouse or a bad, bad parent. But some of us have just kind of, I don't know, it's, it's really what, I think you were saying, you, one of y'all were saying up here earlier, is you've kind of gotten off a little bit with the Lord, little by little by little, and you're not, you don't have this relationship with Him like you once had. I mean, I feel that. I see that on some people when I talk to them. I, I feel like, you know, they, they're, it's like Jesus is, is down the road and they've decided to stay, go somewhere else a little bit. And that's a concern. I'm concerned about that, honestly. Because some of the people I have felt that offer are amazing, good people that love the Lord. And, and they would, and they have followed the Lord hard in their life. And I just want to challenge us all. And I'm speaking to myself as much as I'm speaking to anybody. About connecting with the voice of the Lord. You know, and allowing the Lord to speak to us. And not allowing all these other things to get into us. That, that quenches the word of God in us, that stifles it. And I just, I just want to say that to y'all. That this is important. You know, Jesus talked about the parable of the sower, and he talked about things that would choke the word of God out of our life, like the cares for other things, the desire for riches, the cares of this life, the, just the worries of this life. See, all of that affects all of us. And we allow it into our hearts like seed that goes into us. And it, it will literally choke out the Word of God in your life. And that, this is not condemnation. This is just the truth. I mean, I see it in my own life at times, like where I feel like, Lord, I just, I've drifted from your voice. I'm not hearing your voice, Lord. Why I'm not? It's because you've put your focus somewhere else. Because you've allowed other things to have priority inside of you. And it's never a judgment. It's never a criticize, criticism. It's always a out, you know, a reach out. It's like with your spouse. You feel like you're kind of drifting with each other. Did you reach out to them and try to, you know, love on them and, you know, make things right with them if there needs to be made right with them. And I just feel like we're in a time when we really need to be paying attention to our relationship with the Lord. You know, I really do. And if, if that's you this morning, you just, I'm not going to, ask you to do anything other than just do something with the Lord. Just do business with Him. You know? And let Him 
him and you work this out because ultimately at the end of the day it's between him and you. It really is. It's not between me, you, and him. Believe me, I got my own deals with Jesus, you know, and my own deals with Becky. <laughs> but I just want to pray for you if you're that person. And Lord, I just pray for anybody in this room, and I believe there are people in this room right now that have drifted. And the tragedy, y'all, is this. If you've drifted and you don't even know it, that's tragic. That's tragic. You don't want to be that person. You don't want that tragedy in your life. You want to be able to say, Lord, I've drifted and I know it. I'm like a boat that's drifted way away. And I want to get back to you, Lord. I want you to bring me back. And say, Father, I ask you to do that for everybody in this room. I pray for that spirit of conviction where Jesus said, repent for the kingdom is right here. It's right there for you. It's right there for you. And that doesn't, and you're totally accepted. Even in your drifted state, you're totally loved. You're totally cared for. He will never do that. He will never forsake you. But we desperately need a close walk with that person of Christ. So that's just how I really feel. And I, I just want to encourage you towards that. Marlon. Thank you, Byron. That's a powerful word, man. Because I don't know whether you, you, you're really sensing that from the Holy Spirit, right? It's like a plea from the Holy Spirit, tagging on our hearts, pulling us in, drawing us in. It's an invitation that literally the Holy Spirit is giving us. And there is zero condemnation in it. Okay? It's like... The hunger of the Holy Spirit saying, I want a deeper part of you. I want more of you. You can have as much of me as you want, but I want more of you. You know? And I just feel that. I felt that this morning. And I felt like the message is that invitation. You know? With that voice says, come up here. You know? So, but Luis has something that he wanted to share real quick before I close it up. So the ministry team, if you can come up here. And then as we started the service this morning, I had this, this internal vision of an eagle. And I heard the Lord saying, I'm going to deal with some snakes. You know, that's what eagles do. They, they go after them. And so that's the lies of the enemy and deceptions, as Byron was saying. And I think the Lord, through the prophetic ministry, wants to. He's doing it at the women's retreat, but he also... Haven't forgotten us, and he's here because he wants to set you free, and he wants you to come closer to him. He wants to heal you from trauma and hurts. Somebody like Larry Foldo, you can come here. People with the prophetic gift, Jim, if you, y'all can come. And I have, when I was here, I felt some of you needing a word from the Lord. Sometimes you feel that pull from people. If you need to go get your child, I think you need to do that. Go ahead and come back here. If you need a word of encouragement today, I think this is the day to do that. And there are some prophetic people here that can release the word over your life to help you in your walk with the Lord. So, you know, um, thank you, Larry, for coming. And Jim, if you want to come too. I've seen Jim in Argentina ministering, giving words to people and having a blast. So, you know, come on, Jim. <laughs> Flo, I remember when I was young and he was preaching in our church. And he was walking around and just stopping and giving words to people that I knew. He didn't know, friends of mine. And those people are serving the Lord. Some of them went to India and other parts of the world. We don't know what that two-edged sword can do when we agree with the Lord. So if you need encouragement today, if you're lost because of trauma and depression or things of life, come up here and just get prayed for. Allow the Lord to speak to you. Suffering Hodgkin disease. That came to your mind. Well, if you're, if you're that person, if you know somebody, come and have Larry pray for you. It doesn't have to be mystic or weird. Just come and get prayed for. Right? If you need a word, that's what I want to encourage you. So the ministry team is here. 
Come and receive a word. Amen. Amen. Heather, Seth, you guys can come up here too. You guys are prophetic people. But I had a word. I know we've not met. You got the same shirt that I got, same color. But when you guys were walking in early on, I had the father just say that he's given you guys a lot of grace for marriage. Like there is a, a grace for you to minister to couples. So I just want to bless that. Just That was it. So with that said, may the Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. If you want to come up here and get more prayer, please do that part. But I pray that the Father's love will absolutely chase you endlessly. And we all say it. Amen. Amen.